Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Travel Royally podcast. Today, we're very excited to have Craig Gilholm. Craig's the club manager at Kilspindy Golf Club in East Lothians in Scotland. He's a former member of the Glen and the Rhodes Golf Clubs and was a Lynx manager at Hoy Lake for the Royal Liverpool Golf Club. His grandfather, Andrew Gilholm, was head greenkeeper at the North Berwick East Links from 1919 to 1946. So he's got a great pedigree in golf, and he served as um, an apprentice as a greenkeeper at Muirfield. Craig, welcome to the Travel Royally podcast. Nick, glad to be here. Did I leave anything out in that brief introduction? Yeah, it's 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 roughly right. I think there's a a little bit of um, unknown who. Andrew Gilham was, he was certainly related, um, great-grandfather, maybe great-uncle, I don't know, it's, it's uh, a little big, um, but it's his brother, his brother actually, um, John Gilham, he went out to America, and he was a PGA professional, or a golf professional in the days, and a golf club maker, um, and he, his, his grandson became Ricky Fowler's coach. Until he sadly passed. So, an even better part of the story there. Um, uh, I found that out in 2014 at the Open at Hoylake. I had somebody from, um, sadly, the, 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 the name of the golf course escapes me, but this gentleman from this course in America gets in touch and says, Are you related? It goes, Yeah, 100%. It was uh, a great uncle. Um, and it was the most wonderful story to have, especially when I was standing next to Ricky Fowler. The presentation. <laughs> ah. So yeah. So yeah, no, no. The family's always got a big connection in golf like this. So it's just the way it's been. It's too slow then. You're a farmer or you're a golfer. Yeah. Well, I was gonna ask how you came to golf, but it's probably mm-hmm. obvious. But I, I'm assuming your parents played and introduced you to golf. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Grand grandfather, father, none, none of them were particularly great, but they were good enough to play around. They, they actually all played their golf at spending. Growing up through the generations, Cospindy uh, was the local club pre and post war. Um, both were artisan members of the club, which were like working the working class part of the club at that time. Cospindy right. used to be quite a, a sort of affluent club, a bit like a, a Muirfield or a Luffness and things like that back in its uh, former years. Um, so yeah, we. They, they all played here. I joined the club as well after the Glen. I actually came here and became a member in the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, until I moved off to down south to, yeah. to earn more money. <laughs> well, the Glen's a wonderful co- club as well. I played there in February. Mm-hmm. And it was quite windy on that hill. But it, some beautiful views and some some wonderful golf holes and a very, very friendly membership. So I really enjoyed that. So you grew up playing it actually at Kilspindy then? I, I grew up playing Kilspindy as a kid, um, only as a sort of visitor or a, a you know a, a very small kid as a, a parent being a member. Uh, I moved through to West Lothian, played a lot of my junior golf through West Lothian courses that yeah, just running them all golf courses. And to be fair, when I got to about 16, 17 year old, I wanted to come back down here and and play golf and to yeah. be fair, probably more golf at Gullen growing up as a kid rather than Cospindy, but Cospindy's always been close to my heart for different reasons. And, you know. There are so many good options there, right? I mean, there's a connection to Loughness New that we'll talk about, but mm-hmm. Loughness New is right across the street from 
Gullen, and Gullen's got three good courses. And then you've got uh, Muirfield, Dunbar, North Berwick, uh, Long Nidri. I'm probably forgetting some, but there's a string of wonderful courses through there where clients of ours, visitors, could could uh, stay in a any B&B or hotel and not have to unpack but the one time and just get their fill of golf for 10 days and not play the same course twice. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's Slovian. I, I like many parts of Britain now, coast, coastline Britain. So many good courses, all in a small vicinity. And and to be fair, you know, the, a lot of clubs like Spindy and Long Nidri and, and these guys were never... We've never had the American clientele. You know, it's social media has certainly brought that along over the last uh, 10 years. And Malcolm Duck at um, Ducks Hotel, they're all part of the sort of Scottish Golf Coast or the um, where golf began um, teams. And, and and they do enough of it promoting. And I think what's helped with Spindy over the last five or seven years is Scottish Open. <laughs> so Andrew Coltart being on the Sky Sports um, commentary team, he lived in the village. So he gets, gets to know a lot of the guys at the golf club here. And so they come every year now when the Scottish Open's on, they come and play golf with Spindy and and they, they promote it on the television. So worldwide audience, Spindy Golf Club gets mentioned. So we, yes. I'm sure we get a fair bit of business off the back of that as well. He lives in uh, Aberlady? He used to live in Aberlady. He's moved He's moved away now, I think, with a new job with Sky Sports. Now, I, I'm not sure where he is now, but he, used, he lived in the village for a little while. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. I think no laying up put you guys on the map in the states. No laying up, no laying up was probably the one that I seen about oh I don't know four or five years ago. My son sent it. My son was greenkeeping here at the time, and he sent me this wonderful footage of the guys on the golf course. Then at Malcolm Ducks playing the putting competition and things like that. And you know we we go to Ducks every other Saturday, and there's always a string of visitors there on the bar trying to play this putting game and such. So yeah, it's all good fun. We had Malcolm Duck on the podcast probably six months ago. Right. I, and I was at Malcolm's, or at, I'll, I'll, I'll be more formal, Duck's Inn in February, and I played the putting game. I had right. as much to drink as most that play the game, but it is great <laughs> fun to be sure. Now, you left and went down to, uh, well, first of all, you went to uh, Muirfield. How did that come to be? Yeah, Muirfield was, it was just, um, Look, I loved golf. Golf, golf, golf was in the blood. Golf was my thing. You know, I love, I love doing the golf course. We were playing as kids. We were playing probably the best. We had thirty six holes in us every day, but there was a, a loop of twelve we could play in the golf course. We remembers that. So we're bashing out forty eight holes a day, and I couldn't think of nothing better than being on a golf course. Um, and the golf club I was a member at as a kid, I just left school, and the. Um, the secretary came out and an old army guy and he goes, Craig, he goes, you're never away from this place. He goes, how do you fancy a job? I goes, when do I start? He goes, next Monday. I goes, I'll be here next Monday. So that was a, in Britain, we had an, a YTS scheme, which was like a, a, a slave rate, a slave rate, so um, greenkeeping, you know, about two pounds an hour, you know, it was... Um, but it was wonderful. You know, the, the first week of weather was about, for Scotland, it was about 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. I'm thinking, well, if this is work, I'll be here the rest of my life. Um, and as I said earlier on, 16-year-old, I just turned 16. I started at Harburn. By the time, before I turned 17, 
I wanted to get down back down the Slovene coast. And through friends or family, I got a seasonal job at Muirfield. Um, the current course manager at that time was Chris Whittle, who was who moved in 1994 and became the course manager at Royal Buckdale. So he was the manager at Royal Buckdale until he retired last year. So it's a very small community of the greenkeeping world as well. And so I showed what I was made of, got kept on, um, worked my way through the ranks. Um, and then when the time came that I had to sort of spread my wings and become a course manager somewhere else, you know, like any job, you, you apply for a few jobs, you get a few knockbacks. And and uh, Luffness, actually, Luffness knew was the one I hoped that would come my way. Uh, sadly, became second choice for that one. Um, and then after that, Hoylake came up. Now, Hoylake was only, I think it was, this was about the January, February, the job came available. Uh, that was 2005. The Open was there 2006. And, you know, four months later, I was offered the job and off to Hoylake I went. Um, went behind the ears, um, been a second in charge and then being thrown in at the deep end of the Open Championship 12 months away. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was a win-win. What could happen? Worst, worst case, it fails and I lose my job. It's okay. I'm young enough to start again. Yeah. <laughs> but no, and, and from that point, it was... You know, the most wonderful time of my life, 17 years, just under 17 years at Hoylake. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I played uh, Hoylake twice. I think it's fantastic. And just an amazing track. But I think the courses that have hosted the Open in England are all very special to me. Birkdale, mm -hmm. Lytham, Hoylake, St. George's, St. Port's, Prince's. They're all wonderful venues. A lot of money's been put into Princess to bring it back up to yeah. the championship caliber courts, but those are all special. And and it's so. It, and to me, we've got a a group of courses that we put into trips where we play those six, plus Southport and Ainsdale, which had mm -hmm. two Ryder Cups back in the nineteen thirties. So you, we promoted it as six open courses and a Ryder Cup venue. Yeah, people love it. So, so Southport Mains deal again. You know, it's the most wonderful golf course. You know, it's, it's again like we talk about East Lothian, but that that neck of the woods down in the northwest of England has got the most wonderful strip of land as well, with some absolutely top draw links golf courses. Hillside next next to Burkdale is wow, what a job they've done in the last four or five years of that golf course now. And, Westlands. Uh, Hillside, yeah, yeah, and Westlands, and, and Westlands. Sorry, yes, Westlands, fantastic again, and and Formby, Formby, mm -hmm. and and down past Hoy Lake Wallacey, Wallacey, and and John John in charge of Wallacey just now. You know, he's got a lot of support from the club there, and he's transformed the golf course over the last two three years as well. So yeah. no, they, it's, Wallacey doesn't really get sort of mentioned much. It, it was our qualifying course in two thousand and six, but. The lack of practice facilities sort of knocked it off the rotor for the professional golfer, and yeah. they're trying to do some drastic changes now to get themselves back up in the in the army's um, portfolio. So, well, you know, it's interesting. In the past couple of years, what's happened with golf travel? There are a lot more women going on trips. We do sixty or seventy percent, closer to seventy percent of our trips are couples trips, and. 
the uh, there are two questions that have been coming up a lot lately. One, are there restrooms out on the course? <laughs> Something you and I wouldn't think of, <laughs> but a woman would clearly. And uh, for our visitors, do they have a driving range or practice facility? Mm-hmm. And even some of the best courses don't have practice facilities. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean, where you can where you can hit a proper warm up. Even mm-hmm. Carnoustie doesn't have a warm up facility. They've got a well, they've got seven hitting bays indoors that you you know simulators you can warm okay. up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so you went from Muirfield to Hoy Lake. How many Open Championships did you get courses in shape for? Well, obviously, I started off at Muirfield in 1989, so I was involved with the 1992 Open, um, but I was only coming through the ranks at that point. Uh, 2002, I was the second in charge at that point, so that was, you know, that was probably my first real sort of management role, I would say, in, in preparing the golf course there. And I think at that time, I wasn't really much bothered, you know, the Open Championship for us was everything as kids growing up, you know, the, the Open Championship was our thing. We, we never got to see, realistically, a lot of American golf like we get to see nowadays, you know, we used to get to see right. potential, some live highlights. Masters was the only really the big the big event we'd all watch. Um, and then the Open Championship, obviously, during the summer holidays. And I, I remember the prize given in 2002, and I knew it was that time that I was sort of having to start to maybe move on. Um, and I watched the the course manager at Muirfield at that time, a good friend of mine, and standing up there at the prize given at the end, and I'm thinking, wow, isn't it amazing that only probably in my generation a dozen guys may get the chance to stand up there and, and be part of that whole setup? And to actually be given that opportunity two years, three years later was, wow, it was unbelievable. You know, it was great. And this this year's Open is going to be hard for me to watch, even bad let's go down and see it, because I, I put my whole life and soul into that. Like, hey, it was, it was yeah. the most wonderful place to be. The membership, fantastic. Um, yeah. I have never met a membership like it. And any uh, I've ever been at. Mm. I, I love to hear that. But, yeah, so, sorry, so answering the question, yeah, so a couple of Opens at Muirfield, and then, obviously, two two Opens, and getting most of the work prepared for the this this open coming up this year. So yeah, so four opens, a women's open, and two or three other major champ, amateur championships. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Uh, was the was were you did you prepare the open or Hoy Lake for when was it Mo Martin that won there? Mo Martin. The in the in the women's open is that? Uh, no, we done the 2012 one, which the girl's name escapes me. She was South Korean. Uh, okay. Uh, we had we had the, we had we had the one that had the the two T start, the adverse weather conditions. Um, was it Paula Creamer sitting on the green, refusing to play golf anymore because the weather was so so bad? Yeah, we had we had the 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 all, all seasons that Britain could throw at you in that one week. You know, gale force winds, hail. Well, hey, what about two thousand two? Did you had the same thing at Muirfield, right? Two thousand two, we had that small period of time in the Saturday where the weather just rolled in and absolutely battered the leaders for about nine holes. And Ern, I think Ernie Els, what I remember was Ernie Els was leading. So he was last to go out and he probably got three or four holes less 
bad weather than the rest of the field got. So uh -huh. it just gave them that little edge. Um, but oh no, the weather was horrific that day. You know, it was and about I think we went back out at night time and back in May days you you would do a lot of your preparation the night before. Not like now everything's done in the morning. But we went back out about oh five, six o'clock at night and it was the most wonderful weather. <laughs> just just but it's Scotland, you know, it's Britain. That's that, that's the way it goes. But that's that's uh, you know, it was it goes from it can go from six degrees to sixty degrees in no time at all. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I remember that open in 2002 at Muirfield. I remember very vividly Shigeki Mariamo and, and Tiger Woods huddling down beneath yeah. a sign because the wind and I, I seem to recall hail coming down. I mean, it was, yeah, there was it everything. was very Absolutely cold. Very I think cold. What, 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 what got us as kids are, are, are East Coast golfers who try and hit the ball so low all the time was a man like Colin Montgomery, who was the most wonderful golfer at that time, you know, the most wonderful yeah. golfer who never won a major at that time, standing up in the fourth hole at Muirfield with a three wood and sticking it in the sky, and you're thinking, wow, that's not even going to make the green today. <laughs> you know, you're a three wood, 195 yards or something, you're thinking, it's not even going to make the green head into that high. And yeah. sure enough, it did, you know, these guys couldn't even reach the green at 195 yards. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Incredible. Well, that's how we feel at the 16th hole at Carnoustie into a strong wind, right? <laughs> it's like, well, first of all, how can you get there in a, in a heavy wind? And, and mm -hmm. even if you could, how would you get it to stop on that that tabletop green? Yeah, tabletop green, yeah. Well, for people here in the States who are unfamiliar uh, with the part of Scotland you're in, um, East Lothian, tell them about where Kilspindy is located. Yeah, Kilspindy, we're the sort of first links golf course on the coastal road to Dunbar. Um, we are very much a private members club. We are a very, very small piece of land. Great golf course, you know, it's, it's it destroys my game. It, it's it's all about chipping and putting and, and sadly my chipping game is, I'd rather have a four iron in my hand than a, a 54 degree wedge. Yeah. But it's as I say, it was always really seen as a members' golf club, um, with with the odd local visiting group or society golf club. And as the years have gone by, especially since the turn of the century, it's it's we're seeing more and more overseas players, Scandinavian especially. Um, but the last ten years, five eight years, the Americans that's coming now, yeah. You know, there's no real reason why, but we we have we have the most wonderful little club, but we've not really been ready, maybe, for the modern world. We've, we've kind of sat on our hands maybe a little bit and 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 not progressed maybe like a Gullen Golf Club or a, a Muirfield or a Dunbar where they've always seen a steady stream of of sort of overseas players and and the expectations of a, a an overseas player and Financially, we were never in that position even contemplated because our members were just saying, we're just coming down for a two and a half hour round of golf and away home and that's the job done. Um, right. So now the club is obviously now saying, guys, come on, we're going to have to start to move things forward here. We've got probably one of the best bars in world golf. You know, our locker bar is the most wonderful place. And any golf club steeped in history would love to have a bar like that. You know, it's the most wonderful bar. 
the rest of the place, oh, well, that's, that's, that's for everybody's taste, but <laughs> we, we won't get there. Sure, slowly but surely, we won't get there. Um, well, I'll tell you, it was wonderful when you hosted me back in February. We had coffee in that, that mm -hmm. bay window that looks out onto the course, surrounded by very old lockers in that locker room bar. It, it's a very special place. And it's one of the ways that I was able to convince one of our groups to go there because they hadn't heard of it. I said, and th they're all about the experience. So when I was talking mm -hmm. to them about the bar, maybe the best bar I've ever been in, in a golf club, it's, it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that regardless of how much money you have or how much you want to do at your golf club, it's an area that's been over the years. And I think it was only about five years ago now that, They've done it's a couple of members done it up, you know, some new tables and chairs in, and and it's been done up discreetly enough to keep it old fashioned. Uh, but in the modern world, though, yes, it's clean and tidy yeah. and <laughs> doesn't look like a locker room. Um, yeah. The rest of the club, we hope to follow suit soon. It's not bad the clubhouse, but you know, it just needs a little bit of investment here and there and. But the, we've we've got a lovely little piece of land here that we we rent off the local landlord, uh, who owns Craig Law and a few other clubs in the area, and we 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 you know the, the membership at Cospindy have had this place for over one hundred and fifty years now, and as I say, we've we've never we've not been quite ready for the the the, the world of overseas golfers. And trying to squeeze them in amongst the the thirty five thousand member rounds that we get every year, that's that's becoming the challenge at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Kilspindy, as you mentioned, has remarkable history. The club was founded, I think, in eighteen sixty seven, and at the time it was known as the Luckness Golf Club. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was the thirty fifth oldest golf club in the world, or the thirty fifth founded anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, then the club split into. Right. And half yep. the members went and formed the Luffness New Golf Club, mm -hmm. which is uh, right next to Gollin, as we said earlier. Um, and then you guys changed your name to Kilspindy, I think, in 1899 or, yeah, 1899. My history stops at 1980. <laughs> well, I'm is there anything else like... you can... Is there anything else you can tell us about the history of the club? Yeah, but all, all I know is we, we've got two buildings on the golf club, on, on the golf course itself, and it's a rifle range. And the toilet, the toilet is the, was where the, the, the gentleman would shoot his gun, and the, the shelter at the 50 was the target range. So that was, and there's a, there's a lovely... Um, this was during World War II? It was all through that period of time and before. And um yeah, so we had to, the golfers had to share the golf course with the, the shooting club. And the um so obviously you can imagine in the days it was <laughs> there wasn't many golfers, but it would be a dangerous place to be when you're yeah when you've got a rifle range in place. Um <laughs> yeah, but the golf the golf course has obviously been redesigned around that and it's changed over the years and things. And but the Luff Nest thing was, you know, uh, I think it always said it was a fallout. I don't think it was quite a, a fallout. I think it was just a, a, a something to do with this, the estates. Hope's estate owns Luffness new yeah. now, and, and uh, Weems' estate owns Spindy's land. And I, I'll be honest, it, there's so many different stories on why it all came about. And 
when you read the history books, there's nothing that jumps out to say there was any fallout or things like that. It was just a, a difference of opinion and some people wanted a different course and, and, and things. And I think they used to, both, both clubs used to play on a different piece of land though. So it was a piece of land. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a piece of land with a wooden bridge between our, between the estates. Right. Uh, when they had the separation, Hope's estate gave Loughness this lovely, Loughness knew this piece of land. And then Weems at that time stood up and said, well, you can have this little piece of Lynx land here at Gospindy. So they, they kind of formed these two separate golf courses over the bay. Um, what well, the you know, exact story is, I've never had, I've never heard the exact story. So it's, it's quite difficult. I read something, Craig, that I think is plausible. It seems odd today, but when you think about the time, that there were half the members wanted a club closer to Gullen. And when you yeah. think about the fact that they were mm -hmm. arriving at the club on horse-drawn carriage at the time. Yeah. I mean, because for you and I, it's a less than a five-minute ride between Gullen yeah. and, and Kilspindy. But I can imagine I'd rather walk to a club than, uh, you know, like if it was in the town yeah. of Gullen or near the mm -hmm. town of Gullen versus taking what was probably a half-hour uh, cart ride out there. But... Anyway. And that and that's the thing. There's there's so many stories, and I, like I've never heard that story before. Like yeah, I've never read that one. So, but I can see where it comes from because Gullen at that time was a bigger village than Aberlady was pretty much one street back then. You know, there was probably only a a few dozen people lived in Aberlady at that time. So you could understand why people would say, "Well, why am I going to go all the way out there when we could have a golf course here?" Sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Aberlady's grown quite a bit. They have two streets now. Oh well, we're we're huge now. You know, it used to it used to be a about a mile round the circumference of the golf course, uh, the, the 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 village, and now now it takes about two miles. It's it's, it's growing and growing every year. We've no, we've still no amenities, but we've got lots of golf courses. <laughs> I I know. I think for people that haven't been there, that part of Scotland, I think that's part of the charm of of Kilspindy and a lot of the small golf clubs that are in those small towns like Aberlady. Or even for me, Gullen or North Berwick. And those are much bigger than than Aberlady. But mm -hmm. the charm of those small towns where you can stumble into a place like Ducks or the places that you can run into in North Berwick is an example. It's just wonderful. I think the bit that gets me spending, growing up here, you don't appreciate probably what you've got on your doorstep. And it wasn't until I went to Hoylake and like I would take my kids to the school in Aberlady and every every man was dressed in Galvin Green or Sunderland or Proquirk yeah. or some sort of golf attire. Uh, when I went to Hoylake, when I took the kid to the school at Hoylake, everybody was dressed in Liverpool or Everton or Tranmere Rovers football trips. You know, golf golf will be big down there. It's, it's nothing like East Lothian or St Andrews or um, Ayrshire. You know, it's... We're very much driven by golf in this this area. Um, we're down south. It's, it's football takes more more control, and certainly certainly in Merseyside. <laughs> well, I, I agree, and I think, it, but if, but I do agree or believe that if you live in Glasgow, football is king between. The oh Rangers well, yeah, Celtic, is, yeah, you know that's yeah, yeah. the teams aren't so king anymore. But <laughs> that may be true. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you have thirty five 
member rounds. How many members do you actually have at Killsport? We, we have probably about 700 active members, but we have over 500 members over the age of 60 years old. So it's, it was, and because of the length of the golf course at five and a half thousand yards, it's in reasonably flat terrain. It's, it's ideal for somebody who's winding down in life. Um, so they all come down here on a good day. They can get around in two and a half hours, have a bacon roll, my coffee and away home they go. And they're still back home in time to go shopping with their wife, you know, um, Whereas, That's a very active membership, Craig, when you think about it. If you've got 700 members, yeah. they're playing 50 rounds a year to get to 35,000. That's literally oh, every week they're playing. Oh, our, our average member will pay about £4.50 per game. You know, they, they, These guys are playing minimum three times a week, four times a week. Yeah. Nothing else to do, they're retired. <laughs> well, how many visitor rounds do you get now? We, I, I, Roughly 10,000. Wow. But that's including members' guests, which we do a lot of members' guests. Yeah. So That adds a lot of money to the coffers of the club, I'm sure. Well, uh, it doesn't when you break it down over the average cost. So we, okay. we're lucky if we probably get half the value of the round that a visitor will pay. Due to the fact probably three or 4,000 rounds are probably members' guests. One of the things that I have to go through to become a authorized provider of tea times at the old course is talk about the economic value that we drive to St. Andrew. Right. And when I think about the the economic value to Aberlady and to mm -hmm. the club of Pilspindi, if you think about, let's say that you had a thousand overseas visitors, mm -hmm. right? And you multiply uh, what is a what is a guest put pay there for a round? So, a, me a member's a member's guest uh, this year is twenty pound. But for those of us coming for a visitor, for a visitor, it varies Monday to Thursday. It varies from about eighty pound, roughly eighty pound. Okay, and then a weekend is about ninety five pound. Yeah. So you're talking about call it eighty five thousand pounds yeah. a year. When you think about how many members it takes to generate that much revenue. Yes. The other thing that we do is we we rent trolleys, we drink in the bar, we buy shirts and hats, um, we stay at Ducks Inn, we eat in the town. When you think about the economic impact of a thousand overseas visitors coming mm -hmm. to play your club, the economic impact is probably a couple hundred thousand quid. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. it, think about St Andrews. Oh yes, and and that's why these clubs, and this is why we touched on earlier on about Cospindi's not being quite ready for this, um, purely because we've never seen that sort of influx of visitors coming here like that. And it's only, as I say, it's only been five years, six years that's been happening. You know, we see caddies on the golf course now. We never had caddies caddying at Cospindi years ago, and um, yeah, we look. There's no, there's no getting away from it. For us here, we don't make much profit a year because we're memberships reasonably cheap value. Right. So we're we're needing the sort of ten thousand rounds or eight thousand rounds of visitor because that that brings in half our revenue, and the visitors they will eat and drink as you say in the clubhouse. So they're spending even more money. A lot of our members will not drink and eat as much as the visitors will do. So when that when I take seven hundred members. 
giving me probably only half my budget for the year. The other half comes from visitors. Um, right. And it's only it's only it's only quarter of the actual golfers on the golf course. So it's, for us, that's us breaking even. You take a Gullin or a, a North Berwick or somewhere like that where their visitor revenue is even greater than ours and, and even more visitors. You know, hence the reason they can go and do up clubhouses and golf course changes and and, and all everything comes along with that as well, you know. Yeah. So we're we're just on the bottom rung of the ladder at the moment and hopefully we can climb that ladder a little bit. We don't want to be completely reliant on visitors because COVID is a fine example of how a golf club could probably collapse through a COVID period if there's no members. Right. Um, right. Paying paying a subscription. At least that's survival money. Yeah. Right. But with, with if if you doubled the number of overseas visitors, you'd be able to hold firm on the prices of the annual subscription. You could invest more into the course. Yeah. It's we 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 are currently as a as a club, we're we're currently looking our members are obviously frustrated because it's it's so busy amongst themselves. Because again, as I say, they're all retired. So they want to play from eight in the morning till twelve in the afternoon. So we put a lot of visitors from twelve o'clock onwards. Um and but but again, such a small strip of land and very old fashioned in the fact that we've still not got a full automated irrigation system. We have these cold, dry springs. You're already in the back foot. So if you put too much golf in the golf course, then you have a detrimental effect on the condition right. of the golf course. And so we're trying to get to a balance of can we get only maybe five or six hundred members paying a good bit more, right? But then allow more visitors to play because we know that's where the money's going to come to improve the golf course. Right. And and then and it's it's not going to happen overnight, but I'm hoping in the next three four years we'll, we can sort of start to swing that that number the other way because we're. Right. You know, we, we lost about 45 members this year, but we only brought 20 new members in. So we're, we're slowly trying to reduce the number every year. And we'll probably, with a year like we're having again this year, followed by last year, we'll probably accelerate that again next year and say, look, it's actually better bringing an extra 2,000 visit rounds in than bringing another 20 members in. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. right. Well, we've been talking about the club, and you must be very pleased and very proud of the recognition the clubs received. You mentioned Andrew Coulthard earlier, mm -hmm. and I read a quote of his where he said, Kilspindy is one of Scotland's hidden treasures. And I know that it's ranked 17th in the top, um, top 100 of the most fun courses in Great Britain mm -hmm. and Ireland, and it's number 59 overall in the top 100 courses in Scotland. To me, it's, it's amazing that it's not more widely known, given its reputation by locals and experts. So from your perspective, what makes the course itself so special? I think we've got the most wonderful start. You know, we, we are right on the coastline. So if you've got a fade or a power fade or a, a slight slice and, and you don't play inland enough, you know, you're, you're going to be on that beach quite a lot. Um, we have the whole, the, the picture behind you there, the eighth hole, you know, that, that hole could fit in any open venue in the country. You know, you... The new tee that's been built this year, we've got a new pathway in, in that hole now and we've, we've sort of tidied up the sleeper wall there. And I, I I would love for somebody to tell me of a better par three hole in Lynx Golf in Britain for sure. Uh, when you stand on that bay into a west wind looking, looking over Edinburgh and 
one day you're standing with a wedge in your hand and the next day you're standing with a three wood. Um, it is the most wonderfully treacherous hole in golf. It's, if you go too far left, you're out of bounds, you're out, out of the golf course. If you don't go far enough left, you're on the beach. Um, yeah. it, it's probably... If somebody wanted to come and only say, I'm only playing one hole of every golf course in East Lothian, you would have to play till Spindy's eighth hole. And previous to that, we've got our second, third, fourth, and seventh holes all along the coastline. Our fourth green, our fourth green is 10 yards from being on the beach. You know, it's and and again, it's into the west wind. You're hitting a realistically from the back tees that anybody can play when they come and visit the golf club. The hole's about 380 yards long, 60 yards long. It sounds like, oh, yes, that's a piece of cake, that one. It's got a fairway that's about 20 yards wide and a, a landing green, a landing zone green up about, I'm going to say about 300 square yards. You know, it's 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 a, it's, it's a minute postage stamp to catch in the corner, fraught with danger all around it. And I think for me, Cospindy was all about the holes. You know, when you start to come back in the way, you know, you're back in, in, in off the beach, but we have we have four wonderful par three holes. We have a, a, a fairly generous par five hole. And what you do get the opportunity to do at Cospindy is providing it's not overly busy and you're standing about too long. Um, your ego can get in the way. It's a, it's right. a golf course that your ego will get in the way because you think 280 yard par four, I can drive that. And you get that opportunity on probably six or seven occasions. And the amount of times you'll walk off with a five because you think you can drive the green is, is, is that's where you come unstuck at Spindy. You know, it's a par 69. On paper, five and a half thousand yards long, par 69. You think, yes, yeah, nothing course, really. That's, it's easy. Our course record is 60, 61 by an amateur and 59 by a touring professional. And that doesn't happen very often. You know, people go out there and you get a lot of 66s and a lot of 65s, but with a young junior last week, they played the medal and shot 62. I've been here just about 18 months and that's a low score in 18 months. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... 10 under par, no, excuse me, 7 under par. 7 under par, yeah. You, you know, you can you can shoot 7 birdies around here quite comfortable. Yeah. But you get as much as you can shoot six double bogeys. <laughs> um, it's 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 a fair tested golf for the average player. I would say that. I think most golfers nowadays, overseas or in, in this country, we think we play a lot of golf, but once or twice a week, you know, that's why the average handicap's probably up about 14, 15 handicap. And and for their kind of guys, that's where the fun golf comes in because it's a feel-good golf course. You know, I've had men, I've had visitors come into the shop and uh, into the office and say, "I've just had my best round of golf ever. I've shot seventy six, and I think that's what makes it fun for people is the fact that they get to make numbers that they're not used to maybe making at a, a Muirfield right. or a Gala number one or something like that. They get yeah. to do that here. There's yeah. nothing worse than going back on your holidays from from Britain back to America and your mates in the pub say, "How did you go any slow then?" Well, I shot 104, 103, 110, 95. 
But at least if you can say it and I shot 75 equal spin, <laughs> it makes you feel like a golfer again. <laughs> well, uh, 75 there's a good score, right? Yeah, that is a good Six score. Overs you know, you've got many guys at the club here are scratch handicappers and two handicappers and plus two. And on a medal day, there's no many scores coming under 69. <laughs> well, what can uh, North Americans expect when they come to visit and play at Kilspindy? <sighs> I think it depends what their individual expectation is. Uh, I, if I was coming to go spin day, I'll have looked at the scorecard and think, ah, beauty, I'm going to play my handicap around that place easy. You know, I've got to yeah. um, If the weather's right, you're going to get the most wonderful views of Edinburgh. Um, you're going to get to see the bridges that take you to Fife. You're going to get to see the seals in the bay. And, and you're going to be met by the most wonderful bar staff. The, 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 the guys in the, in the clubhouse are fantastic at the moment. Um, I'm tucked away behind the scenes, so you'll not see me too much unless I'm hungry. Um, the pro, the pro, the pro, the pros are a big cheery soul. Um, big, big Graham's big cheery soul there. And yeah, I, I would, I, I think you'd be, you'd be thinking, oh, okay, okay. This feels like a little bit step back in time here. Um, we don't want to modernize too much, but we, 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 there's modernization in tired, and um, we want to get to the old-fashioned rather than tired stage, probably. Right. <laughs> Golf course itself, yeah, there's, we're, we're, we're trying to put a little bit of definition in that in this year, but I would like to hope you're going to come, enjoy your game of golf at the moment, but in a few years' time, if you came back, it'd be coming to play a mini muir field. You know, that that's that's certainly my ambition for the place. That's the club's ambition for the place is we know we're old and rustic and we know we're maybe not quite there yet, but give us a couple of years and we'll give you a mini muir field and, and you're going to get the most wonderful game of golf with the most wonderful views for a fraction of the price. <laughs> what I like about your club is this. There are a lot of upscale courses around you. Mm -hmm. You charge a lot more money. They offer a different experience when you think of Archerfield or yeah. Renaissance or even North Berwick or Dullin, Muirfield, certainly. But what they get when they come to Kilspindy is an authentic members experience. Mm -hmm. It's it really it's very different. It, you you're at a local members club. You're not going to see busloads of Americans spilling out of tour buses. You're. You're not going to hear a lot of American accents. You're going to you're going to be with locals, and between the pro shop and the and the uh, clubhouse bar, it's 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 literally charming, and it's a completely different experience. It's it's like it, I'm guessing it hasn't changed much that bar and the course in 50 years. No, no, the decor shows up. <laughs> I think no, that's no, the charm. Of, I think that's the charm of the place. You're joking aside, but it's it's the most wonderful place, and and you're you're right. If you, if you want to come to Scotland and see a typical links members club that's open to anybody, um, I would say locally this is the place that you will you will get all that experience here because. You will be in amongst the members on the tee sheet. There's no segregated times that you can you can play or your. When you turn up, it goes spindy. Yes, we've got little blocks and we try and put you in there just to try and appease the members. But if you got a tea time here at eleven twenty four in the morning, 
either Sadi is going to be members. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they, they, they can be the most charming membership and they can be what you'd expect of a membership. <laughs> but but in general, we're, we're, we are a wonderful club. It's a great club. And, and, you know, people just want to come here and play their golf and enjoy their golf. I think our biggest problem is visitors come to enjoy the day. And even at a golf course that's only five and a half thousand yards long, we would expect four Americans who enjoy playing all day on the golf course to be around in three and a half hours to four hours. Realistically, three and a half is so short. Sadly, our members still think it's 1985 and they can get around the golf course in two hours. <laughs> so, so, and with the congestion holes and the short drivable par fours and things like that. And, but yeah, that's sadly, that's a, that's a small thing. I think yeah. if you, as you said, if you, if you want real, real life Scottish golf club without being, with, with, with not waving away from a links path, I think we've probably got that. Like, yeah. It reminds me of Murray, the club that I'm a member right, at. Yes, sure. very traditional, old-fashioned club. Looks, I've been a member for 15 years, and while I recognize some of the changes that have made, you know, taking out bunkers or clearing out gorse or what have you, it it hasn't changed a lot. The clubhouse certainly hasn't. The course hasn't changed a lot either. But so another question I've got is that. You know, it's a great, it's a well-kept secret in my mind, Kilspindy. Are there other courses uh, east in East Lothian that you feel that way about? Maybe maybe uh, Craigielaw or maybe... Yeah, there might I be think Craigielaw for me, you know, it's maturing very well now. You know, they've got a good guy in charge of the golf course now. Uh, he's just started the last 12 months. The golf course, even for myself coming back up from Hoyley, you can see the golf course is starting to improve now. Um, it's a Donald Steele, Martin Ebert design in McKenzie. Um, Donald Steele designed it with these guys with his understudies at that time 20 years ago. It's got the most wonderful clubhouse hotel. Um, again, great service and food up there. They stole our practice ground to build their golf course because uh, it's their land. <laughs> so we lost our practice ground, but we, we, gained, we, gained, we gained access to their range from members' point of view. It's a lovely place. It's, I think, the modern term nowadays is upper links. It's uh, no more links golf course than, than Haddington, but it's um, it's built on heavier soil and such, but it's got the views the same as us. Um, but it's a fair test of golf. It's a proper championship length golf course with very undulating greens and big runoffs. A very modern, a modern what you'd expect golf course. I think the one that probably I really enjoy um, and it's got some wonderful holes. It's got some formby style holes on it. It's got some sort of style parkland holes. It just lost its way probably through the eighties and, and things. Is Longnedry? I think Longnedry Golf Club is a great club. A great club. Good staff up there now as well. Um, the guy, the, the number two at Muirfield, recently left to take on the golf course there, so he'll really get the golf course where it should be. Um, I've got no doubt about that. If the club invests in it invest with them. Again, old-fashioned clubhouse, very traditional equal spin day, uh, big member membership. But it's a a par 71, you know, six and a half thousand yard golf course. It's it's a proper job. Um 
I think a bit like Ospindi, we've we've had the luxury of the recognition from Andrew Coulter and 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 all, and all the other social media platforms. Longridge's kind of missed that, so they've not quite got there with that one yet, and it's probably because it isn't that sort of pure links golf course anymore. But what 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 a golf course it is though when you play it. You know, it's the most wonderful golf course. Um, and I just hope they can get themselves up there because, as I say, that's a that for me is a sleeping giant in East Lothian. It's 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 as as big as a gallon number one as a North Berwick in that. It just doesn't get that recognition. Uh, we have got some most wonderful parkland golf courses, but it depends what clientele want. You know, it's but you know, yeah. I would say for me, all the golf courses down the coast, I think most of them get recognised. Right. And and even myself now we see that by our visit revenue compared to Longmanry's revenue. Uh, I would say Longmanry for me is the guys that are missing out the most. Yeah. On, you what? know, Luffness choose not to be recognised because they are very much a private members club and only have a limited amount of visitors. But I would say Longmanry. I hope I'm not missing anybody, but I would say Longmanry is the one for me. Like. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask this: What course in Scotland, other than Kilspindy, would be your favourite? Oh, Scotland, that's difficult now. I think there's, there's, there's Scotland, we, there's too many. There's too many. I would, and there, there's, there's certain, there's certain golf courses owned by certain people that I don't dare mention in front of some people because I'm not too sure what <laughs> other people's views are in North America. But there's one just outside Aberdeen that's the most wonderful place. Um, I love that place. Yeah. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to play it three times, and yeah, you don't get disappointed when you play that golf course. Um, I've heard i I haven't played there. We have guests going there, right? But you're the second person uh, who's told me that it's at your level, right? That's a club manager and said that's that's their favorite place. Yeah, have you played Dunbarney? You know what? I've not just coming back last year. I've not played a lot of the places. I've played Castle Stewart, love Castle Stewart. Uh, I've never even been as far as you know, up at um, Trace my 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 last year, Royal Dorna. You know, Royal, I haven't played Dorna. I've not even played these courses, but I've got to get myself up to these places. Um, Kings Barn, I've spent 17 years in England in my adult life, so most of my goals have been formed in Buckdale and Lytham and places like that rather than. You can't go wrong with those, right? No, exactly. But King, you know, King's Barn's a special golf course. To be fair, there's way too many. <laughs> there's too many. I think, and I'll stand by my my my, my views here. I don't think there's a perfect links golf course. I think you have a fair amount of good holes on every links golf course, but there's always going to be one or two weak holes because the nature of the land allows that. Um. Muirfield, you know, from a greenkeeping point of view, when I go to Muirfield last year, there the rooms open and, and I played it last summer. And I think when it comes down to condition, I think it's a hard place to beat condition-wise. You know, it's it's the most wonderful kept golf course. Um and I think when I when I go back after not being there for 17 years and and as you're older, you you start to you've learned more about your industry and, and, and you, you start to look at closer things about Muirfield, you think. Wow, some of the undulations around the greens and the bunkers, and, and it just, it just really, it is really nice. Um, but that's yeah, how I, I feel, you know, that, Craig. That's how I feel about <clears throat> St Andrews. Yeah, 
I think that there are people who play and go, well, it wasn't that special. It wasn't that hard. It wasn't. And the more I play it, the more I like it. The subtlety, mm -hmm. the gr the greens, the the approaches into the greens, the, you know, I, I think it's a very special place. I think we've got clients that come back and say, oh, Dumbarney or Kingsbarns were by far our favorite. Mm -hmm. The views are dramatic. The holes are, they're all, there's not a bad hole on any, either of those courses. And there are a stretch of holes at the old course, you know, like we're, we're, that are relatively forgettable. Mm -hmm. um, but, the holes that they have that are outstanding are just, they're yeah. so memorable. You know, the par 311, the 17, you know, mm -hmm. I just think, I, I I love that place. But I get what you're saying about Muirfield. <clears throat> Muirfield is one of the first links courses I ever played with my father, okay. who passed away two years ago. And I have wonderful memories of him on 18, sculling his approach at the windows of the clubhouse. Fortunately, <laughs> the ball died and it hit the, the wall right beneath there and came back towards the green, but I wasn't prepared to write a check to Muirfield for windows that day, but is there any, uh, what would be the number one course you want to play in the world that you haven't played? Ah, I think I like it. Like most people, I think is Augusta, you know, I, it's just, you, you grew up watching it every single year. And uh, when I was down at Hoylake, uh, my Green's chairman and the, the secretary got invited out before one of the masters and they played it and he came back and he goes, you know what, it's everything I expected it to be. Um, the secretary came back after a second trip and he just, he just says it's just unbelievable, you know, the whole place. And I think, yeah, deep down in my heart, I'd probably say that would be the, the one place that you'd want to go, even my wife, who doesn't play golf, but look, you know, she's grew up with me since I was 17 year old and all she's heard is golf. And every year when the Masters comes on, she, it's, you know, she's the first person to say, we need to go and watch the Masters one year, you know. And it's just, it's just the most wonderful start to a golfing season. Right, absolutely. To, to, to see the Masters. And I think every single person who's got a post that loves golf, I'd be surprised if, not one of them would say, I need to play with Augusta. You know, it's, it's that kind of place. Like, yeah. yeah, we're spoiled here in Atlanta. I can get over there in two and a half hours. So oh, wow. I've been to the Masters more than a dozen times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the person that you that mentioned that mentioned to you how wonderful it is, it, there's not a blade of grass out of place. It's class mm -hmm. like you've never seen before. And it's, it's just an amazing place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I still prefer links golf to. Oh, no, no. I prefer links golf as well, but I think Augusta's Augusta. You know, even even now nowadays, we get to see the par three competition now on television. You know, growing up as a kid, you never got to see that. You only heard who won it. And I'm a, a yeah, a massive fan of Bernard Langer. And so obviously his major wins came at the Masters. So. Luckily enough, I was at an age that I could watch him for the whole four days winning in 1993. Um, well, Sandy Lyle was a winner. you got to be proud. Well, yeah, no, that's obviously when I was sort of writing a golf at that time. You know, I had the luxury of watching Wuznam, Elazabal, Sandy Lyle, Faldo, then Langer. We had a, a lovely period of time where Europeans just owned the place. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a lot of for a very long time, there were no Europeans that had won, and then it was the floodgates open. Yeah. Right? I mean, I know Gary Player was the first not uh, you know non-American to win, but then it wasn't until the late seventies or early eighties that a European won. Anyway, well, I have I have uh, two more questions for you. One is a personal question. If you could uh, play a dream foursome with three people, living or dead, who would you ask to to join you in that dream foursome? You know what? I thought this question the other day. They were thinking who who would be by your four ball, and I had, a, I had four names in my head, and you know what? It completely escaped me at the moment. But Bernard Langer is definitely one of them. Right. Um, he's he's been my hero in golf all my life. Um, I, I'm going to. It's going to be golfers, to be fair. You know. Um, Bernard Langer being number one. I think through that period of time, I was never a huge fan at the time, but I appreciate him now. It's Seve Ballesteros. Uh, I think Seve Ballesteros. Yeah. I think when I watch old footage now of golf and things like that, I'm thinking what the guy could do. He was so wild off the tee, but how he recovered was incredible. And I would have to put him in there. Um... My fourth person, you know what? I, I'm not too sure about that one, but I, um, I, I would probably, you know, I, I've got so many other people just sitting there on the fringes uh, trying to pick one and say, Craig, why would I pick him and not him? Um, and yeah, geez, you know what? It's, the, the person that's escaped me who I was thinking all day, so it just, it just goes to show it didn't mean as much as probably yeah. these two people. Right. Um, well, let me ask this: Where would you want to play that round? I'd be, I'd be at the Masters. <laughs> it would be Augusta. <laughs> I know we have more chances to go spin against them, but it would be Augusta. So I go to Augusta with Ballesteros, with um, Bernard Langer, and um, I suppose I'd probably have to go for somebody. One of the four figures. You know, you, you watch all the as you get older, the history and that, and. I suppose I'd like to maybe play alongside somebody like an old Tom Morris or somebody like that, just to see excellent that that mindset, you know, because they've been the greenkeeper, been the pro, been the whole show, and you know, I feel sometimes that's where I'm at in my life. It's like I just want to do the whole show in the golf club, right? Um, right. And I you'd probably have to go back to a yesteryear point in time, like you. Well, that would be the modern golf, doesn't it? You know, it's great watching these guys that are athletes nowadays. You know, there's no character. Well, there's, there's not. There's no characters. They're, they're machines now. You know, they're, it's it's um, they're so good now. You know, well, Bob McIntyre. Very, very little. Hmm? Right. I was going to say Bob McIntyre's got some. Oh no! Yeah, but you, you know they've got the the technology, the shafts, and and when I think back to Langer and that, and watching them, at, they open it. Muirfield 1992 and it just seems like yesterday but you know a persimmon driver and and when you pull a persimmon driver out now you think well I think the golf ball is almost the size of that head nowadays <laughs> and, and the, the shot making these boys could do so go back to that it's in that top drawer again good
Sorry, looking for the bank card to spend money. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, so, it's yeah. interesting that Long, uh, Bernard Longer's now almost 65 or is 65, and he's still winning on the Ah, you know, the guy, the guy is absolutely unbelievable. You know, I at, at the 2006 <laughs> Open, I kind of spoke to him in the 2002 Open at, Muir, at Muirfield, just briefly. You know, he's my hero, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't want to ask him, I didn't want to speak to him. And... Um, my favourite story of 2006, I, I keep getting asked, did you meet Tiger Woods? I goes, I did meet Tiger Woods. I goes, but I shook Bernard Langer's hand. I goes, that is my story. I shook Bernard Langer's hand. And I was I was sitting at the third tee, waiting to go to a meeting with Peter Dawson from the RNA. And I was just leaning over the railings. And coming out of the players' tent, there was Bernard Langer walking up towards me. And I, and I, I nudged my green chairman at the time. And I goes, oh, man, here's Bernard Langer coming. Next thing, Peter Dawson walks out of his office and he goes, morning, gentlemen, how are we doing today? I goes, good. I goes, Peter, before we start the meeting, go and introduce me to this man coming up. He goes, Bernard. He goes, you want to meet Bernard? I goes, why? Oh, I goes, oh, I goes, like, since I was 14 years old, I goes, I've idolized this guy. And so Bernard comes up and obviously this was about his 50th year, so he was just due to go on to the, um, right. on to the senior tour at that time. And then they came up and we chatted for about a minute or two and they shook my hand. I thought, oh, that's, that's it, you know. Who's Tiger? <laughs> Who's Tiger? My, 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 my season's been made now. <laughs> well, Tiger is the uh, man that dismantled Hoy Lake in 2006, right? Oh, he did, but he still is. It didn't destroy as much as St. Andrews. So <laughs> it's fine. Well, I say destroyed. I, I'm really. I, that's an amazing golf course. It was you know, running firm and fast. I, I, what did he hit? One driver all week? One driver felt that everything flowed to the bunkers and goes, there's no point in going in the bunkers. Um, and he landed, I think I only ever seen him in one bunker during the week that I watched anyway. Um, but no, look, the, the golf course was running so fast. Um, the greens were incredibly fast. Yeah. Um, there's so many wonderful stories um, behind the scenes for that championship. Uh, um and it was borderline almost out of control of the golf course because it was so warm, so dry. Yeah. There was, you know, superintendents in America will appreciate the fact that, you know, they, they probably keep their greens at somewhere around about 20% moisture levels. And we had, back then, we, had, we were lucky if we had 3.5% moisture in the greens. And there was nothing. They were dead. They were, they were dying. You know, it was, you know, we had we had sort of fairy ring problems and and... When you put the moisture probe in name, it was under one percent. You know, there was nothing. It was just sand and something living on top. <laughs> it was an amazing championship, to be sure. I've got one last question for you, and that is: we have a number of people that come over for the first time, and because of the location where you are, you're very close to the airport in Edinburgh. People can get there in less than forty-five minutes to where you are. So. What do what advice do you have for people coming to play Lynx golf for the very first time? I think you've got you, you you've got to appreciate your your for a lot of the guys a game is not going to be suited to playing Lynx golf. You know, if if they're going to, they're over that week or two, they're going to experience wind and rain at some point. You know, unless they get very lucky. <laughs> um, They've got, they've got to, the favorite, the, the best club in the bag on most of these links golf courses is your putter. 
You know, use that putter. If there's no bunker in the way, use your putter because you'll get to keep the ball on the green at that point. Don't don't try and float sand irons in and, and, and wedges and expect a lot of check on some of these greens. Ours are a little bit more receptive, but on a gullin or a, a muir field or a, a, an archer field or something, if you're going to try and drill something in there expecting it to stop for you, it's unlikely. It's going to keep rolling for you. So start practicing long putting from 40 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful advice. Wonderful advice. Well, Craig, it's been a pleasure having you. I, I truly hope that everyone listening gets the opportunity to play at Kilspindy. I hope thank they'll you. stop in and introduce themselves to you. And uh, thank you for the opportunity of playing such a wonderful golf course with such a, a wonderful club as well. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you very much.